This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Okay, so you want to buy a vehicle for one of your top technicians and for all the right reasons, and you want to buy an EV, and you want to learn how EVs tick. What a cool idea. With me is Bill Nalu, Interstate Auto Care, Madison Heights, Michigan. Hello, Brother Bill. Good afternoon, Carm. Good afternoon, everybody. You know, walking here to the studio today, I was thinking about that seven and a half, almost eight years ago that I first met you in Detroit. I really won't forget it. I watched you do your thing in that seminar, and then you were walking up toward me, and I was a beginning podcaster. I started this whole phenomenon industry back then, and you were one of the uh, the people that I met there and was always impressed, and, and we've become great friends. I've told you before, you know, there's a book idea, and it's going to be dedicated to you one of these days. I just got to get started now. I have about 10 books I want to write, and, and that get started thing, Bill? Uh, that's so important. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Remarkable Results Radio from the Aftermarket Radio Network, where our goal is to advance the aftermarket. And our hope is that you take an idea or an insight and uh, take action in your business and or in your personal life. You know, it's no secret we're facing a technician shortage and Napa Auto Care is addressing that. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician with three ASE certifications. Learn more. Members can visit member.napaautocare.com. Bill, Norm Schultz, who is the guy we're talking about, was the 2020 Apex Technician of the Year. And we've had him on the show. Great guy, humble guy. And the phenomenon that people may not know, and, and I really encourage you to go back and listen to a great episode that we did with those winners. It was episode, I usually have them at the top of my head, 606. What a distance to work. And I was hanging out with Bill a couple of weeks ago, and he threw this idea at this group that I was in. And like the light went off in my head because I'm out there challenging people. What are you doing? Are you working on, you know, uh, hybrids? Are you working on EVs? And there's there's ways to do it. My friend Carolyn Kogelet says, go buy, a, I think, a Series 2 uh, Prius and, and just dive in it. It's an expensive, uh, you know, wrap it with your company name on it and, and jump in and learn. And you said, we're going to do one better. We're buying a brand new EV. And then Bill said, the charging station and the incentives and the state of Michigan. And I'm going, oh, my God, if I know my brother, Bill, he did such incredible research. And so I figured we have to share this with the industry. So my friend, start off with the idea here. One of the privileges that we're afforded, I think, as shop owners is we can make unilateral decisions to do certain things even sometimes against the advice of you know smarter people, people that say, well, there's another way to do this and there's another way to do that. And so as I said, this, this would percolate in my head in the last, ever since sort of gas prices, when once gas prices went up past like, I don't know, two bucks a gallon, two and a half bucks a gallon, we're at, I think, four bucks a gallon here in Michigan now. And so the first thing we did was I would give the guys, uh, I think I added 75 bucks to each paycheck to cover some of the gas. And then at some point in time, it, I think it went even up beyond that. It was just, it, and so at some point in time, I thought to myself, we're going to have to to have a, a another look at this. And so then I thought, you know what? Sometimes what would it be like if, you know, if you could kill two birds with one stone? And the more I thought about it, the more I started raising the stakes. I'm like, you know what? This is three stones, four stones I can kill with one stone now. And so the four stones that I came up with was one was the cost of, of uh, gasoline. It's doubled. 
you know, over the last six months to a year, the cost of maintenance on these vehicles, we're paying more for these parts. So the technician that's got to drive back and forth is paying more for, for parts, right? Taxes have gone up in payroll taxes and in, in business taxes. So how can I reduce tax burden and have a tax write-off that would benefit an employee? And then on top of this, we needed to learn about EV. That's the third bird that we were trying to kill. How are we going to get into this EV business? And so just recently I had, I had the, the pleasure of, of having a conversation with, with G, G Trulia and Bill Haas was teaching in, out in Grand Rapids. And so as we're sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, I got to send the guys to, to G's classes at some point to New York. And so how are we going to get into this? And so like any small business owner does, we dive in head first. Is that how it works really? As if you wouldn't know. Yeah, with Tracy's always, always pulling me out by my ankles. You've got a permanent bump on your head from all those <laughs> years before. The fourth one was how we were going to keep ourselves ahead of the curve with the rest of the industry. One of the reasons, one of my claims to fame, right, is that I have these guys that have been with me for over 16 years now. We're more of a family than we've ever been before. And so why, why not? Before this becomes a, uh, a, a situation where they have to ask me, what would it look like if I were to approach them with this and say, why don't we do this? And so they were shocked. I mean, how many bosses will say, hey, you know what? Why don't I provide you with a company vehicle that you can drive and forth back to work? And so there's a little bit of shock, like what's the catch? Well, there is no catch. You know, we, we, we live together. We spend more time together than we spend with, with our, our families at home during the week. And so somebody, somebody, and, and who was that somebody, the business owner, somebody, the visionary has to say, we're headed in that direction. Again, it, it percolated in my head for a couple of months. Can I do this? Can we afford to do this? Is there something I'm missing? And so because we have this great circle of family, friends, and, and our alumni, I was able to reach out to the folks. And so you speak to the smart guys like Seth Thorson, who says, yeah, I've got four chargers and I've got this and this. And while I'm thinking, while I'm racking my head around, well, you know, how do we lock this thing up? How do we shut it down? Do we need a Wi-Fi enabled thing? A guy like Seth says, what are you talking about, dude? This cost me $7 for somebody to, you know, if they want to park out at midnight, you know, this is advertising. This is no different than the free air hose that you would put provide out there. It's an added benefit. It's a freebie thing. On the heels of that, that I finally decided, you know what? One car is not enough. We're going to do two cars. And so Mark, my, my second technician, my second A-tech, we're privileged enough, enough to have two ASC master technicians on site. I said, Norm's going to get the one for fourth quarter 2022. And then Mark's going to get the one for first quarter uh, 2023. Wow. Bill, is there any way I could be adopted and or be considered working there long term? Whenever you come to visit, <laughs> you'll have one of those cars. Oh, how cool. <laughs> the other part of this that I thought, I thought, do I dare tell them that I'm going to finance these cars when I'm going to finance them for six years? When I make the last payment, I'm going to hand them the title to that vehicle. To me, that's, that beats the gold watch at the end of a 20 some year career. It sure as hell beats the cruise that you might send somebody on. Bill, should I tell them or not? I mean, what was your decision? I did. Okay, you did. Okay, great. Oh, yeah. Because that car will be taken care of in a much better way if they know that it's theirs at the end of the term. What if Norm says, hey, listen, something happened in my life and, and I got to leave. It's a terrible thing. Does he realize it's your car? We've had that conversation. It's one of those things where, you know, I haven't worried about Norm uh, leaving in the last 16 years. I'm not going to start worrying now. And listen, I'm not a naysayer here. I trust you. I know you got this in your gut and it's right and it'll work. 
But part of what we're doing here is I think we're trying to help other people that may like this idea to not go too deep inside the thought process and say, you won't do this because if. We've often heard the term, you know, golden handcuffs. I don't know if I like, I mean, I understand the term is meant in a good way. There's something about it that suggests that somehow I want to keep you with me against your will. And so to me, if I wouldn't do that with my own wife, my own best friend, my soulmate, why in the world would I, would I expect it? And so my, my offer to anyone I've ever been in a relationship with is, if you think you can do better than me as a friend, as a husband, as a, as a partner, as a brother, as, then you owe it to yourself to go look elsewhere. And that has served me over the years because to me, I think there's nothing more, there's nothing more repelling in a relationship than somebody that you feel is trying to keep you in, their, in that relationship against your will. It's almost like, how do you sell? Well, you stop selling. You stop selling something. You provide somebody with information. You put them in the best position you can. In some ways, this conversation really goes even beyond it. I mean, next, next week, we're headed out to Apex, right? How many business owners, how many shop owners wouldn't dare take their people with them for fear that the employee is suddenly going to go, wow, this is a big world. This is Las Vegas. I love the weather out here. I may not want to come back. And so if you are too afraid to lose relationships on that basis, then you'll truly never have, I don't think you'll ever have the opportunity to be in a relationship as the one I'm describing right now. You say golden handcuffs, and I couldn't help but think of an an episode that Dr. Dave Wyman and I did, and it was on creating stickiness in your organization. And I'm not sure I love the word stickiness, but Dr. Dave liked it. So we did this whole episode on how to create, if you will, magnetism inside of your business. And, and basically, that's what you're talking about without using the term golden hand, golden handcuffs, I think, was a corporate term back in maybe the 60s or the 70s. And we've not gotten rid of it. Speaking about EVs, this is that's sort of part of the conversation. The other part, it really is the employer retention part of that. And I remember I had sleepless nights for weeks and weeks on end at one point, about losing my people. And I don't know where this was coming from. It wasn't really even a rational decision. And I came in and I said, this is what's going to happen here. I need to tell you guys where I'm coming from. This is my worst fear that you're going to have some headhunter pull you away from here for some money. And so I said, here's what I would recommend you do. If you get a $5,000, $10,000 signing bonus, take it. Go work there for three months, take their money, and then come right back. Your, your job will still be open here. Having a conversation about the fact that you can either be inside a family or you can become a mercenary. There's nothing wrong with being a mercenary. Maybe there are technicians out there that prefer to be mercenaries. They like the change of venue and what have you. But if you're going to build a company on the shoulders of people that are willing to stick it out the way you want to stick it out, then you have to build it this way. Author Patrick Lencioni uh, said, humble, hungry, and smart. And what you were describing to me, I couldn't help but think that, that you were worried about this. You wanted to create, if you will, that sticky kind of organization. You were worried about your people leaving. And Bill, even though you had those sleepless nights, it probably helped solidify being humble, being hungry and being smart because you knew that not only what you needed to do for family, a client, your people were actually probably at the top of that pyramid. Anyway, before we go too far, let's do this Apex thing. You're taking the team. I'm telling you, more and more and more I hear this. You know, it could be in 10 years that the industry shuts down for, you know, vision and Apex because we know that 
it's not only the type of training, it is not only the tools you can touch, it's not only the executives you can burnish their ear and gain something and get a business card and build a network. It's the camaraderie among the team. When you go out and you're in a different environment, magic happens. It's kind of almost a little pixie dustish, and I don't mean to go and be in Disney-like, but that's some of the magic that happens when you take the team. So high fives and kudos to you. Can't I just can't wait to see you and the entire team. And I don't know whether we want to share this news now, but there's going to be something in 2023 that we're going to be doing. It involves Vic Tarasic, Dwayne Meyer, Andy Bizup, Frank Scandura. We're going to, we have a couple of vehicles uh, that we're going to be donating to a very, very good cause. I don't know if you're if you're privy to this. I'm privy to it, and I think we're going to talk about it uh, either at Apex while we're there and or if not, we're going to talk it up an awful lot next year uh, as we head into into Apex. In fact, it's ironic, you know, good old Frank Skander. I know everybody that you just mentioned so well. And of course, I, I shipped my studio in our air freight boxes to Frank's place. Yes. <laughs> I did see on his Facebook page, he was selling some of this stuff. It's top dollar too. Do you have to talk to him about that? Here's the thing. You said on that call that you're going to get a Bolt, a Chevy Bolt. And here's my curiosity. I, I have to ask you. I looked up Chevy Bolt on the internet before I sat in the studio because I wanted to find out what this great car was. And it said, it's got a cold weather um, you know, hit. And, and I know you're in Michigan. But it says that usually the cold weather mileage hit is only temporary until... Either maybe it warms up again. So what do you know about the Bolt? My son Nick was in Boy Scouts, and one of our one of the fathers that was on the in the troop is a uh, engineer, and uh, got to speak to him pretty extensively over this. Having done some of that research, I was really worried less about the technical problems that we were going to be dealing with because, like everything first generation, there's going to be some bumps along the way. But to me, this isn't where it's at. To me, the value that came out of this journey was reaching out to, in this case, Detroit Edison, uh, it's our power company. And after speaking with them and realizing, you know, there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of stuff there. One of the things that I sort of shared with him, I said, look, I'm a, a shop owner. I'm pretty involved on social media. Would you guys be willing to do a story on a small business owner bringing in EVs? In this case, we're an auto repair facility. So there's a lot of boxes that we're checking off. And all of a sudden, his ears perked up. He goes, yeah, that would be great. I will have our marketing uh, department uh, reach out to you and we'll put this on a fast track. And so what's my point here? And my point goes back to this incredible podcast platform. If you are in the stream, if you are going to be involved in a project as small or as big as this, you have access to minds, to an amazing array of people that help you go through this process. And so in this case here, we're fast-tracked on this. Uh, they're going to give us uh, like the charging units, just to give you an idea here, Carm. The charging stations are $1,200, a piece. DTE will give you a $2,500 credit on the basis that you've got, in this, case, in this case, of course, the cars haven't arrived yet. They're months away. But I've got the purchase agreements. I uploaded those into the online form. You have to pick out the, uh, the chargers that have to be on the approved list because there's data that they're going to need to retrieve from them. There Again, we're going to talk about data, right? They need the data to find out how much we're drawing and you know what the demands are. Because again, we're early adopters in the industry at this point. We're, there's less than 1% charging stations out there in Michigan. You know, I got to stop you for a minute and think of how profound that is. 
And I guess it, maybe there's a warm feeling in my heart, or not, not my heart, I'm sorry, it's not my heart, it's in my whole soul that they're paying attention to this energy grid issue that we may have. And there's only one way if this thing ever comes crumbling down is that they've got the data to prove that they need to make more electricity or have more substations or do. And so instead of just having the world plug in, they're saying, ah, plug in, but let us know. We, we've got to monitor this. My impression of what they think about us is we're a bunch of gasoline heads. We're not interested in working on anything other than internal combustion engines. Why in the world would I want to start working on EVs? And when, so when we reach out to them and we say, look, we don't care what powers this vehicle. We've been working on electricity and electronics and chemistry and physics and thermodynamics for a hundred years. So what do we care? What's powering those wheels down the road? And so when they hear, when they see that we're forward thinking that way and that we're already thinking along the same line that they're in, how refreshing would it be for a, a shell oil company or a, a marathon or a mobile to say, yeah, we want to be part of the energy grid too. We don't care. Maybe today it's electricity. Maybe six months from now we're into hydrogen. It's Carm here talking to you about what the Napa Auto Care Center program can do for your business. You probably already know the Napa brand is the most recognized and trusted name in the automotive aftermarket industry. In fact, studies show that nearly 95% of consumers recognize Napa and associate it with quality parts, service, and technical expertise. So why not complete a pro image upgrade and take advantage of that? ProImage is a co-branding program for the exterior and interior of your shop. On the outside, it includes the Napa colors and distinctive Napa signage. While the public may know you as a reliable locally owned business, a ProImage upgrade helps set your shop apart from the competition even further. It's also a visual signal to customers and potential customers that you and Napa are partners. Most importantly, Pro Image really works. This co-branding opportunity has helped Napa Auto Care Centers across the country increase their car counts and sales. In fact, those that have completed a Pro Image project enjoy an average 23% sales increase during the first year. Pro Image upgrades are also available for the interior of your shop. A Pro Image interior upgrade transforms your customer waiting area from merely utilitarian to warm and welcoming. The goal is to maintain your shop's independent identity while enhancing the customer's experience. You can get a free look at what a pro image exterior or interior upgrade could look like by visiting the Napa Auto Care members site and clicking on the pro image link under the Napa Pro Image tab. Or contact your local Napa Auto Parts store. Your servicing Napa store can tell you more about pro image, plus the hundreds of other reasons to become part of the Napa Auto Care family, the largest network of independent automotive repair shops in the country. There's a lot going on. There could be some big announcements at Apex that I'm aware of, but, uh, you know, the data, the information is embargoed right now until Apex, where you're going to see an awful lot of opportunities to have it install and to buy charging stations, not only consumer level, but business level. And I know that there's all kinds of money. There's billions for the states and there's so much for the power companies. There's a lot going on with that. I think, I don't know if it was the infrastructure bill or something like that, where there was a ton of money put out there. And just Mercedes believes, I think, that uh, they're going to be selling 50% of every vehicle by 2030. I mean, Bill, that's, that's only eight years away. The thing I love about this episode, and I think the, why it's important to have done it, why it's important to listen to it, why it's important to share this episode, to your point, and I loved what you said, 
calm. We need to be possibility thinkers. We just can't just look the other way. I don't care what age you are. If you're a shop owner, open your mind. And what you did, and I, and I think this is the other push to the industry, is Bill started to get networking think going on because he knows how important his community and social media is to him and for his social media inside the industry. But to think about calling a utility company and say, I'm going to do this. Wow. I, I mean, I give you all kinds of high fives on that. And, and here's the thing. We have to walk them through some of this stuff. A lot of these utilities are sort of begging for somebody to approach them and say, let's partner up. I want to sing your praises. I want to be able to say my utility is doing everything they can to move us into the next century of technology. That's music to their ears. Like one of the problems that we had to resolve is I've got two brand new fuse boxes and the power that we've got coming into the building, I've got 400 amps coming in. We're not quite maxed out, but not enough to power up, you know, four EV stations here. And so one of the things, one of the technologies that I learned about is they've got what they call load sharing. So let's say you've got 100 amps to between two vehicles. If you had two vehicles plugged in, each vehicle gets 50 amps. If you had four vehicles plugged in, each vehicle gets 25 amps. So the, the system knows how to distribute the power available to it across how many vehicles are plugged in. That's a really important feature to be able to have in case you've got a situation where let's say you've got a technician going home in two hours. In case of, in, in Norm's case, he's driving 72 miles. So he can't leave here with less than 80% charge. And so in that situation, we may have to plug him in and give him a full 40, 50 amps to be able to plug that vehicle in and, and charging sooner. Those are considerations. Is that amperage shared based on the load of the shop and the charger? Or if you had four chargers there, it would, are you saying that they would all share in the, in the 100 amps you gave it? Exactly. So yeah, they, yeah, the load sharing would equally divide each vehicle that's currently plugged in. Got it. Now, I don't understand enough yet. And of course, I'm learning just like you are. And I got to dive deep into this because this is part of our, our life. We need to do more more shows on EVs. I keep hearing stories like there's a $20,000 in investment of a charging system. The state of Michigan and the federal government are paying up to 30% of the construction costs to be able to do that. The ramifications are significant in that if we had to add another 200 amp service, this is tens of thousands of dollars more than it would be to install a 100 amp circuit and then have that power up, in our case, two stations. But you're talking about having serious charging stations on premise. But in my house, I don't need that. I mean, if you don't have a maybe a 200 amp service at your home, you would likely have to upgrade because you're going to need 40, 50 amps to power up that vehicle. And, and that 40, 50 amps would be either you would have to either run your stove or you'd be running your level two charger. OK, but what if it was uh, this is my second vehicle and I go buy, buy groceries I pick up the kids. I don't need a lot of juice. I don't need a, need a lot of miles every day. Can I just pull it to the garage and just plug that in? And it's always plugged in when it's in the garage. Yeah, you can plug it into a 110 circuit. It just takes forever. Do that. We got to get an expert on here to talk to us about that stuff, because I think the consumer is going to come to you and says, hey, Bill, look at my brand new bolts. And you need to be a little smart about that. What are you doing to charge? You know, we've got a place here. You have to be prepared to embrace this and... I think we as an industry need to talk a whole lot more about it. Yeah. And every time one of us says, oh, man, this is our end. This is surely going to kill us. 
I mean, Carm, do you understand? This thing's only got like washer solvent and, and coolant. You know, it's got no other fluids that can leak and all this other stuff. And just remember, we said that about fuel injection, first generation, second generation, third generation, fourth generation fuel injection. We said that about OBD. We said that about, I don't know, 80,000 mile tires. We said, how many things have we said this about? Belts that last 100,000 miles and all this other nonsense. And we're busier than we've ever been before. I got to tell this story. It was at ASTE and Carolyn Cocolette was teaching a class, not about EV repair and the technology of it, but she was teaching a class on opportunity, okay? She started some, what, 15 years ago doing hybrids in San Fran. And she happened to bring her chief Tesla technician to the class from California up to Raleigh. And when it got to the point where if you don't think there's opportunities for repair, I'd like to introduce you to, and I forgot his name, and he gets up and there's a bunch of slides and he goes through 10 slides. This is breaking on the car. We can fix it. And it was like the guys are sitting there with their mouth open saying, oh, God, are you kidding me? I got to put up a Tesla sign because this stuff doesn't look hard. With all the folks that are predicting sort of how many cars are going to disappear off the road. So let's say we've got, for the sake of argument, let's say we have a million cars in the United States on the road at any given time. Let's say we take half of them offline and now we get down to 500,000 cars. I wonder what the mileage is when you take the average uh, drive mileage of a vehicle, let's say about 15,000 miles a year, what's it going to look like when you've got open roads, less traffic, and you've got vehicles that are communicating with each other? What is the mileage that the vehicles are going to accrue then? I dare say, I would got to believe it's 70 to 80,000 miles a year you could put on the average vehicle at that point because they're not sitting in rush hour traffic anymore. These vehicles are communicating with each other. They're constantly on the move and you're not using the car for two hours at a time. You may very well have a a business model in which you're buying this vehicle and this this vehicle is your driverless Uber, you know, that makes money on the side for you. Right. I mean, is that too crazy to be talking about at this point? No, it's not. But when that happens, I think I'll be gone by then. And I would love you to find a soothsayer and tell me how it is. (laughs) Tell me how it's going. (laughs) Because I love the Star Wars stuff. I really do. And where technology is taking us. But we all have to be real here. There's this business strategy evolution that we have to play in. Go back to your things, the cost of gas, the cost of maintenance, the taxes that we're paying on payroll and business. Why not invest in some of these vehicles, not necessarily as loaners, but that's another idea, everyone, please, but as an EV vehicle, as a perk for your people. And because of their loyalty, because you're probably one of the nicest bosses in Michigan, to think this through and to say, we're going to do this for all the right reasons and we're going to learn for all the right reasons and then we're going to have stories to tell our clients. And if you start telling that story, you're going to have so much hybrid and EV business, it could end up becoming 20, 30, 40% of your business. You want to give your top gun some pride? You want to give him something to, to thank him for? What do we do with, with military planes? What does Maverick have on the side of his plane, right? Whatever, major, whatever, right? Even though that's not his plane, his name is on the side of that $50 million jet. Why can't we do that? Why can't you have your the people that mean that much to you? Why can't you put the name on that company vehicle on the side of his vehicle? That's a cool thought. It borders on the silly, but then again, it's not so silly. If he knows that this business depends on him to that level and appreciates it, 
in a commensurate way, who in the world would ever think that you could take somebody away from an organization like that? Oh my God, Bill, you just triggered a thought. I mean, everybody who owns a boat has a really cool saying on the back of the boat and it means something to them, right? <laughs> what a cool idea. Storm and Norman or something like that. That's right. Exactly. He's going to have to come up with that himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't want to pick it. If, if the guys pick it, he's not going to like it. So when's all this going to happen? When's the car going to come in? The, the first delivery, they're telling me about six to eight weeks. I had several other dealers. One of our previous customers is, is a, a new car manager at, at another dealership. And he swears up and down. He says, Bill, you're not going to see this thing for sooner than six months. I'm telling you right now. And so you'll hear plenty of no's along the way. Uh, sometimes you'll hear, I don't know's. And you just got to keep knocking on the door that says, you know, I think we can make it happen. And so we chose a dealership that says, I, you know, we'll get it in six weeks. I said, if you can do it in six weeks, that's great. I just want to make sure it happens fiscal year 2022. And so half hour after we ordered that one, I said, let's go ahead and put this one together. Because as I was doing my research, I was realizing these funds are only going to last for so long, you know. This is the time when early adopters are rewarded for the extra risk that we take when it comes to this kind of stuff. Whether you're talking about a business going into an enterprise zone or whether we're buying an EV that isn't 100 percent you know, ready for prime time yet and all that other stuff. And so that sets my fears to ease. You know, it's got a 100,000 mile powertrain warranty, 100,000 miles on this thing in eight months, in a, in a year. You know, I don't know. But the point is. Why would I want the dealer to have the car for, for a week or two while they're servicing it? We're going to service it here. I want to learn about it here. Your normal customer, if there was an issue with, with reliability, is going to say, well, I'll go with something more tried and true. I'll get that Model 3. I want nothing to do with it. I want something that we see here in our blue-collar, big three neighborhood of Madison Heights. I mean, they literally build them in Lake Orion. It's a suburb here, just five miles away from where I live. Why not keep it local? Is that where they're building them? They're building Lake Orion. Right yeah. here. Right here. In Michigan, not far from you. I think the batteries are coming from LG, but the vehicles are assembled here in Lake Orion, Michigan. And it's 30 grand for a brand new car. Are you kidding me? It, the one we got was an upgrade. We got the high, it's called the red line. It's the, the blacked out, you know, it's got a nicer set of wheels on it, whatever. I didn't want us to, for a couple of grand, you're going to go cheap out and, and get something with, with, I don't know, fabric on it? No, go go the right way. Let's do it the right way. What kind of interest rate did you get? So the interest rate, I believe, was 5 or 6% through GM, but I, I can do better through my uh, local bank. I've got a, a credit line. And so, obviously, I could easily just buy it outright, but... You'll choose at the time it comes in, right? We finance it because I'd rather do the, the six-year note. And so, at, at the end of the six years, it's a, it's a nice end of, of that period. And imagine where we're going to be six years from now when it comes to EVs. Are you repairing hybrids right now, Bill? We do very little. Uh, we haven't gotten our certification yet. This is sort of 2023. Our mandate in 2023 is that we start getting into more and more of it. I have a feeling like right now, EV is sort of the favorite child in the family. And then all of a sudden, we're going to come back to reality. And I think hybrid's going to be the winner here because we just can't seem to get enough power. You know, And by power, I mean, if you've got 250 uh, miles per tank full, if you will. That just does not seem to be enough when you're dealing with all the stuff that we deal with. You know, how many people break down because they run out of gas in the middle of the road, right? You do that with an EV. It's a much bigger problem than running out of gas. It's not filling, you know, putting a gallon of gas in it. I don't know if people understand the ramifications of sitting there with 10% left on your battery in the middle of a, of a Michigan winter 
and it's snowing and there's a 10 mile backup due to an accident. It's so interesting when you said that, because I have not thought that deeply about charging my EV and I don't own one yet, but I am romanced by Tesla just as a side. And I am guilty because my wife is a high conformity. If the tank is half, it's empty to her, right? And if I'm driving her car, she's driving mine and mine is is three quarter is one quarter full. She just doesn't want to take it out. Me, I'll take it to one eighth because in my mind, Bill, I've planned where I'm going to be and how I'm going to get it gas and what place I'm going to and everything. But if I had an EV, it would be I, I come home and I don't have to think about where am I going to be? Where's my favorite place for fueling, by the way? Okay, because there's no doubt we have what you would consider I have to put. 93 octane in my car and I got to find the right place for the right price. I digress. But if I had an EV, I would always be full. It would be like leaving the Thanksgiving dinner table always full. Carm, as you're describing this, and this is funny, you you did an episode with, uh, I can't remember who it was, when when the episode involved like 20 things that you'd want to put in your shop. One of them was, for God's sakes, put a charging cable in your waiting room. How stressful was it for you to drop your car off at the auto repair shop. And then now you got to worry about, okay, God, I need the garage door opener. I need the battery charger for the phone, all this other stuff. And so what does a, a progressive shop do that already thinks ahead of this? In our case, all five of our loaner cars have charging cables already on the dashboard. They're in the, they're permanently mounted in the dash, right? We have two charging stations out here. And again, as small as that thing is, it relieves the amount of stress in choosing technology that you cannot afford to ever be out of power in an EV on the side of a road. You just nailed this empathy thing. It's important to you in your world and in your life. Why wouldn't it be to your customer in this situation where they have the loaner car and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I should have brought my cable. Oh my God, Bill thought of that. Brilliant. It's like when we were talking about having a charging station in the waiting room when people used to wait. It's like by the time you think you're going to present that customer with $1,500 worth of work, They've already decided whether you've thought about it. They've already decided because they've already found out whether you remembered their name from the phone call to when they showed up. They already know whether you care enough to provide them with, it's almost shameful to even bring it up, that you wouldn't have soft drinks, that you wouldn't have Wi-Fi, that you wouldn't have a comfortable area that doesn't smell like oil, that doesn't look like you're sitting in the middle of a 1945 shell station that you wouldn't have a vending machine where you would expecting people to pay 50 cents for a can of pop. I think we're beyond that point now. Thank God we're beyond having to talk about some of the, the kindergarten stuff of what you have to do to be a respected uh, service professional in today's aftermarket. And I still got a pet peeve, Bill. Whenever I go and we've been doing a lot of uh, field trips, you know, live stuff, and I see the beautiful little refrigerator in the weight room, I never see a sign on it that says enjoy, complimentary. It's just there. And it was you, I believe, when I was at your place, someone came up and says, how much for the pop or how much for the water? And either you do that on purpose so that you can say, of course, please, there's no charge. But the agony of the individual sitting there who's thirstier than all get out, doesn't have a buck on them and figure you're going to overcharge for water anyway. (laughs) And so I just have that pet peeve. What a sad reality if somebody thinks that they should have to ask about this. Like, it's kind of like walking in. We all have heard, you know, seen the shops that have, let's say, you know, $25 for return check fee and, and no refunds on this and 30 days on this and 75 this and, and a restocking fee this. 
Who wants to do business with a parts store that says we have a restocking fee? Can you, I mean, what world do you think you exist in that you're going to attract somebody that spends tens of thousands of dollars a month with you and you're going to put up one vocabulary barricade after another? Because here's the deal. Go to a concert and pay $4 for a bottle of water that costs 22 cents. And they think, well, I'm sure Bill probably gets a buck for that. Only because we're so damn conditioned and some of these complimentary items that we want to do for real for our people because they're a client. They're not a prospect. They're not a customer. They're a client. And I just believe that the word complimentary or even just enjoy on that refrigerator. And again, if I'm wrong, send me an email. Carm at RemarkableResults.biz. I want to hear from you. Do you think we helped people think this whole you know, EV perk through? I mean, I hope they can see that this isn't a, this is a conversation. EV is sort of the, the symptom, right? The underlying cause is for you to empower yourself to be a project manager so that when you take on a job like that, you're going to have people that you respect that are going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. And part of you is going to say, wow, you know what? If, if Joe's not doing it, and I think he's smarter than I am, maybe I shouldn't do it either. Hey, by the way, Mike is telling me no too. And yet, if nobody's offering an absolute no to my question as to why I wouldn't want to do this here, why in the world wouldn't I? I mean, I have every right. I have every power to do this. I can afford to do this. What excuse do I have beyond saying, well, I don't have 100% agreement that I should do this. And by the way, when are you ever going to get 100% agreement on something that you are inspired to do at four o'clock in the morning as you wake up? You're thinking, you know, this has been bugging me. I think I should... I think I need to address this and, and, and I'm, I'm going to stop asking people for permission. I've got to do this for myself and, and on my own. No, I think you've always been a proactive leader in your business, in your family, in your life, in the industry. Uh, thanks, uh, Bill Nalu, Interstate Auto Care, Madison Heights, Michigan. It's always, always a pleasure to have you, man. Thank you for everything you do, Carm. And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you and Tracy yeah. uh, next week. It's going to be a blast. It's just going to be great. I just can't wait. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.